0: Is this thing on? Welcome to Rebooted the Podcast. I'm your host, Alita Hernandez. Come join me weekly to hear about my journey from recovery to healing after having a stroke and other life challenges. So, let's get talking. Hi everybody. I'm Alita Hernandez, Rebooted the Podcast. I'm back again with an expert um, guest, of course, always, and her name is do you do right? Bam. Yes. Dugu. I tried. I told you I was going to mess <laughs> up. Very <laughs> good. And she, you are a clinical counselor and working with psychotherapy
1: and dealing with people with trauma. Correct. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And where
0: Where are you located?
1: So right now I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. Yeah. I worked uh, for many years. I worked in um, New York City. And now I work in San Jose area, and I predominantly work with trauma survivors.
0: So let's just get into it. How? Uh, so you've always been working with trauma survivors, um, and trauma is a big word. So trauma is means everything from death to whatever. I mean, I can't even sickness. I mean, there's so many things. Yes. Um, but the whole purpose, like I, I, I contacted you because you came out with a book. You co-wrote a book called the rewrite and it is a trauma workbook with creative writing and recovery for, for our new normal so yeah i want to talk about that how that's helping your patients and you know how's that going for you
1: Yes, thank you so much. So um, actually, the the way the book started was uh, after the pandemic, the need for mental health services was so much more. And I saw that in my own practice as well. So a lot of my patients would actually request for more sessions. And the writing exercises I developed because of to address this, to stretch the therapeutic process outside of the 50 minutes to help people to kind of regulate themselves and build self-awareness. Because with the pandemic, of course, a lot of the coping mechanisms were not accessible anymore. People couldn't socialize, couldn't do the things that they normally did to regulate themselves. So that's why um, I started using writing a lot more in my practice. And then it just became a book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it sounds good. I've, I've done different, um, spoken to different people and uh, many of them, um, do, do journaling. I'm, I'm not one to do journaling too much. Um, but a lot of people, it helps a lot to write down like where you, are, or you are at now so you can go back to read it. So it's kind yeah. of, it, it is interesting to, to write things down and then wait a little while and then go back because so it shows your mental state, correct? when Yes. You're
1: and also when it comes to writing, actually, like uh, if, if we were to simplify the brain, like there's the thinking brain and then there's the emotional brain. Mm-hmm. So when we're writing, actually, what we want to access is the emotional brain. So the context is is really not necessary. So the story is not necessary. It's a, it's a tool to get to the emotions related to the event. But what we actually want to access is the feelings that these event events create in us and process them and to understand them so um so sometimes people would write like all the details of everything that happened and who said what and if that serves to access the feelings that's great but if if it interferes with the context, interferes with understanding our feelings, then I would use prompts to um, help the client to go a little deeper, a little further into the emotions, into the feelings where things are a little uncomfortable, but it's also necessary. It's necessary right. to get there. Yeah.
0: Right. So do you find that with, with your, you know, you're there as a counselor, a therapist with a the person, so it's a different, How can I say it? When you speak to a person and they're telling you it's a different part of the brain versus when you write it?
1: I I mean, there are certain things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are certain things that we can't access with talk therapy, So, um, which is why actually somatic work really works for trauma uh, the body awareness because for instance sometimes there's even not a story for the trauma if the, if something happened when uh, we are one years old we don't really have the language to describe what happened to us. Wow. For instance, if we were in an accident and someone was killed or when we're one, we can't really tell the story, but we still have the emotional reactions. We could still have certain trigger responses and we can still have trauma symptoms. So this is uh in the past, maybe this wasn't necessarily considered workable, but now it's very workable. So now actually. We don't even need the story. So what we need is to under the triggers to understand the triggers, the awareness, the self-exploration and regulating the body is is what leads to healing. Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly. I've been learning that um, during my podcast. I've been learning so much about that, about really um, honing in on the triggers that that push us. Right. That that because I used to have panic attacks. So mm-hmm. it's taken me and it started when I had postpartum. So it was a combination of the giving birth, moving, a whole bunch of stuff that I went through. Right. And yeah. then just recently, on one of my podcasts, I talked about it, how I felt the panic attack coming on the other day for something else I was going through and I didn't want it to happen. And I actually shut it down. Like I, I talked myself out of the panic attack. I said, yeah. no, I'm not going to, it doesn't serve me go away. I don't need this, this physical, you know, condition to deal with what I'm going through. And it took me a little bit, but I, I, I literally, I was coming up to here and I brought it back down.
1: Yes. so That's a fantastic example, actually. That's exactly the goal of trauma therapy is to be able to um, you move the trigger from from a reaction to an unknown reaction of disproportionate to what's happening in your, in your world at that moment to something like catching it. And it's going to be like something that's a nuisance, something annoying, like, oh, I'm triggered again, something like that's what we want. We want it to be um, that you notice that you're triggered and then you have the mechanism to regulate your body. Exactly.
0: And I think it's learning how to control it. I think I don't know. My Me personally, what I found is the panic attack is fear. The body yeah. is reacting to fear, whatever kind of fear it is, doesn't matter what it is. Fear of, of losing your house, fear of losing your car, whatever, fear of being sick, whatever it is. And when I finally realized it's fear that's triggering the panic attack, then I had to do a deep dive and go, why am I afraid? Uh-huh. Because it's like, it's because you're losing control. You feel like you don't have control. So the minute you take control, then you can deal with a panic attack. Did I say that? I think. Yes, definitely. That's um, interesting. When I, when I first started going to college so many years ago, I was going to be a psychologist, a psychologist. I started to do that. I started studying that. And then what happened was um, I didn't understand back then about how to separate the emotion from the person, you know, me emotionally, I was too invested in people. Yes. So it was tiring. I'm like, I'm exhausted. Like, I feel like I was taking their trauma to carrying it with me. Yes. So I said, I can't do this job. I'm I'm too emotional. I care about people too much. So I didn't, I didn't pursue it, you know, but now I'm, I'm helping people other ways. So
1: (laughs) yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, your podcast gives a lot of information to people. It's, um, yeah, it's very important what you do. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, it's very important what you do and how are your patients doing with the, the, when did the book, sorry, when did the the rewrite come out?
1: Uh, It came out a couple months ago in April. Okay. So
0: you've been using already and with your patients?
1: Yeah. So I was already, a lot of it actually, as I said, I was already uh, using it in in sessions. So, uh, and during the pandemic, of course, it was a difficult time for us to Uh, For me and and my my husband, our families are in Turkey. That's where we're originally from. So uh, before the pandemic for us, it was uh, just the world felt small. And we always had the idea that if anything happened, our parents are aging. We could just jump on a plane and get there uh, 24 hours later, but still get there. But now with the pandemic, of course, that was... um, shattered that idea. So we felt very um, helpless in many ways. It was very scary for us. Uh, So in some ways, actually, it was a way that we coped with the pandemic ourselves. I mean, we also did watch a lot of Netflix, but we uh, by by writing the book, it just helped us, gave us purpose, gave us hope, and uh, was a creative outlet for us. So and then um seeing it used by a lot of my clients now, it just um it's a good feeling. Now that is good. That is
0: good because I know that there's still people out there, and hopefully whoever watches this podcast will I'll uh, reach out to you or any other counselor therapist out there that's local to you, um, because there's help out there. So people have to understand, don't feel alone yes. in your in your trauma. A lot of people out there um got ill. I had COVID, you know, a lot of people had COVID or other illnesses and they're still trying to recover. And there's, and there's a lot of people that are alone. Yes. That, definitely. that, is, that is really, really, it breaks my heart to, to know because during COVID, uh, we moved in at my aunt's house, my aunt's 83 and my mother's 85. So we couldn't leave them alone. So we, we all oh. moved in. So we all live together now. It's a big house of <laughs> five people and seven animals. And <laughs> but it's all therapy for each other. So we yes. helped each other out because the animals are therapy too. Of course, you yeah. know, they stay with my with my aunt and and everything like that and um and thank God that we had each other because like you said your family was in Turkey. Yes. So and we had family like my husband's family is in Puerto Rico. So mm-hmm. even though it's 3 3 hours away we couldn't go. Yes, exactly. We couldn't go. And when we finally did go I think we went in 2021, we went, it was such a, it was a whole ordeal with the, the, the vaccine, the card, the, this, the, the test, you know, it was like, it was so much trauma just to yes. get somewhere and people are still suffering with that. Cause I hear people talking about, I still see people with masks on.
1: Yes. Yes. You know, I mean, there was so much loss uh, and so much grief during the pandemic. And actually, it, it's a global traumatization because what trauma yeah. is, is the, um, the notion of all the tools that I had until today will work tomorrow. That notion gets shattered or the resources that I have uh, today will also be there for me tomorrow. That this notion gets shattered as well. So even if things aren't great, the idea that uh, today is going to be similar to yesterday is what gives us security in some ways and makes it so that we know how to navigate our lives. So this pandemic shattered this. All the resources that we had, things that we relied on, weren't accessible to many of us. And there's still a huge impact of it, especially Um, on children, because, you know, for us, we still, for adults, we still have some idea of, of how things were and how to relate socially. But for children uh, during COVID time with schools being out, it was very difficult for them. Uh, It was very scary. They, they couldn't really process and grow in a, and there's a catching up to do now. Mm
0: And I wonder how many parents don't even realize how much trauma their child has gone through. Because that's yes. another thing that sometimes as parents, we do the best that we can, but it's very difficult to, you know, know everything. You just don't know. And, um, you know, there are a lot of little kids out there. So I'm hoping parents, if you're listening, you know, check yourself. Um, you can get the rewrite book and start helping. And even for the children, um, you know, the, you can probably do a smaller version of that. Maybe the parents can talk to their children and start having them do journals because a lot of kids have journals, diaries that they yeah. can, you know, have a let out. You know, um, I know a lot of I know my sons, they they get they were gaming. Right. So they talk to the community of gamers and they have friends on there. So they were able to to talk to each other. But it also that's also scary, too. It kind of scares me because some people are, are so um, they're so completely disconnected from society now. Have you noticed that? That the tro- the twenty 20- the COVID lockdown has made some people completely really regress and go back introvert inside the house like they don't leave and things like that. How do you yeah. dress with people like that? Have you have you seen people like that that are really having a hard time? Yes, really getting course. back to normal, like getting back to society, basically.
1: Yes. Uh, and a lot of people either lost their jobs, a lot of people work from home. So the, the little, even the little socializations that we used to do, like go, going to the grocery store. So go, going to the grocery store was a whole different experience <laughs> <laughs> during COVID. And... Um, or, or even for me, I had an office, now I w- I'm virtual. And when, when you have an office, you know, you have uh, colleagues that you chit chat and exchange resources. And w- with uh, COVID and the pandemic, of course, this has to be much more intentional. So, um, right, it has to be something that's scheduled. So, right, now, for instance, a ther- therapy is a very lonely job. So you really need to have your community and your consultation groups and other professionals that you can... discuss cases with or get resources resource ideas from so in the past this was much 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 easier trainings were in person Um, we went to offices meeting another professional for coffee was much easier so now Mm -hmm. it has to be so much more intentional we have to actually put it in the calendar and make sure that it happens because we are humans and we we thrive in connection (laughs) Yeah, that we need connection we need other people to to uh regulate ourselves to express our pain and to to express our joy laughing and humor all of these actually really it really contribute to our mental health in yeah. a very positive way so we need it and music music is very important yes <laughs> I live
0: with music so I have a studio my husband's a salsa singer so we have a salsa orchestra and my mother is a pianist my father was a pianist so I've always been around music and yeah since I've been here at the studio, we have an event space that so we do parties and birthdays and all these different things. So we always have events with music and um, you know, in the beginning we had a smaller crowd, but now we got a big crowd. We had a hundred people here on Saturday. Everybody's oh. having a good time, dancing salsa, having some drinks and everybody's like kind of getting back to normal, you know, yes. and and just understanding that we can't be afraid to be with each other. They, yes. you know, There was a lot of, there's a lot, there's a lot of, things because people spend so much time on television if you if you i i might per, per se i don't watch the news i pick and choose what i want to read that's what i do like, <laughs> you know because your phone right it gives you the that's smart. <laughs> you know i just pick and choose what i want because if you sit i used to be a person that I used to sit and, and put cnn on and have it on all day if i was home and, and yeah. if you do that it it makes you kooky <laughs> you know you I yeah. mean personally you can't be listening to something all the time because then it it just conditions you constantly conditioning you so I just find pick and choose what you want to read what's important to you right so yes you at least at least have a more control of your emotion and what you're feeding yourself.
1: Yeah, because you're in constant stress. Actually, what you mentioned uh, feels very important, the dancing and the music. It's such an old way of uh, healing, right? Dance has been used for healing for since humans um, were on this world. So it's um, and when we're talking about when you just asked the question before about, uh, you know, talking and can you access certain emotions through talking? Actually, dancing is an amazing healing method to access parts of ourselves that we can't go with words. So it's a, it's an amazing release. And there's a lot of movement meditation and movement practices that in, involve dance uh, th- therapeutically. So I, I just think it's a very important, very beautiful practice. And I've seen so many people heal with it, actually.
0: Yeah, it's it's been really... You know, one thing is to dance, like to go to a club and you dance, your favorite music and stuff like that. I transform. Like I grew up in the era when we had no cell phones. So I'm 58 years old. And so I grew up in the in the late 70s, 80s, when all we had, we had a little boombox. I grew up in New York, got a little boom box. I carried my yeah. little boom box around with my music. <laughs> I used to go roller skating <laughs> and we're always around music, always around music. Anything that was going on, we were always dancing or roller skating. And that was part of my life. Yes. So um, even till now, when we have, we do freestyle night, you know, like 80s, 90s music, I'm like, I'm a little kid again. I'm like, yeah, I'm dancing. (laughs) It's like, I forget everything. I forget anything, no pain. You have no pain. You just, you forget. Yes. My My mother's still dancing at 85 years old. She dances salsa till two in the morning
1: that's amazing (laughs) that's how
0: i drag her out i have to drag her out (laughs) she's like mom we have to go home no i want to stay the music's still on she'll keep dancing (laughs) yeah that's really so um but that's awesome that's awesome that you're doing this and that you're helping the people in the community and we we need more people like you um to just you know reach out to others out there and um i know i know some people it's hard because of the cost But I know there's different ways, there's insurance, there's different ways they can get therapy, correct? Yes,
1: yes. And it's getting actually uh, changing some uh, with the pandemic. There's much more, for instance, groups now, uh, and the the groups are more accessible. They used to be limited to the space, uh, to the area that you were in. But now with uh, virtual therapy and virtual groups, it's more accessible. So yeah, definitely. And it's what you said is very important. Definitely, it's important to ask for help. We, uh, we, nothing happens on our own. I actually learned this uh <laughs> writing, writing a book. So many, it happens with so many people's contributions and support, anything that we do. So it's really important to, to allow ourselves to be vulnerable and to ask for help when we need it, because we all need help.
0: Yeah. And, and not to be embarrassed. Like I tell people, asking for help to go to a therapist you know, there's the old stigma. The old stigma as a little girl. I remember is like, if you go to a psychiatrist, you're crazy. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a horrible way to put it, but that's how people would say, Oh, I'm not going to therapist, And then, and then your culture too, being I'm, my family from Puerto Rico. So we have the Hispanic culture. There's also, um, a thing about, you know, like the macho and machismo. A lot of men don't want to go to therapy. Oh, I'm not going to ask for help. I'm not going to ask for therapy. There's nothing wrong with that. So I try to make sure, listen, everybody out there, doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, there's always help and just ask for help. Even if you ask somebody, you know, Hey, Hey, you know, ask your brother or somebody say, you know, I really need some help. Then maybe somebody else can guide you that way. Definitely. You know, if you don't, if you feel uncomfortable calling a doctor, then talk to somebody, go to the church, talk to a pastor, talk to a, you know, a rabbi, whoever's, whoever's like, close to you that you can have a little bit of openness and say, you know, I need some help. I really need to go to somebody. Who do you recommend? Right. I mean, that's all we can do is try to guide them to the, to the water. Right.
1: Definitely. And that's actually one something very important to me. It's one of my missions to reduce the stigma around therapy and asking for help. And it's interesting that you mentioned the machismo, because in in my practice, I actually it's pretty 50 50. um, uh, And uh, it's so interesting to notice that a lot of the men that I'm working with, their close ones, their loved ones don't know that they're in therapy. So they don't really talk about it, and I feel like this is so important to uh, to 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 make sure that we understand that we all need help, and it's okay. Yeah, to, it, yeah it's it's actually I always uh, say to to my clients that it's courage. It requires courage. So yeah. the fact that you are uh, seeking help is actually strength. It's not weakness. Exactly. Exactly. So they have to understand
0: that strength. You got the strength to actually make the call, go sit with the therapist and discuss your issues and hiding it from your family. It, it's not good because they can help. If yes. if, 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 you know, if I say, look, I'm really having a hard time, sometimes they don't understand. That's a whole thing too. But if you tell them, look, I'm going to help because I have the X, Y, and Z, then they'll be supportive with you. At least most families, I believe, or somebody close to you should be supportive. It's
1: also modeling. For instance, it's modeling for our children. When they know that their parents go to groups or get help with parenting or get help with uh working through their trauma, then it makes it possible for the children in the future when they grow up to do the same for themselves. And that's what we want. We want our children to find resources, right? That's what exactly. we want them to um, find ways of healing and ask for help. So it's really important to model that in yeah. our communities and in our families.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My I have two sons. They both went through trauma because their their girlfriends broke up with them or they had whatever that they broke up. And my oldest son was with her for like two years and he sought out help because he said, mom, I really need to talk to somebody, you know, more than you. But he talked to me as well and he did what he had to do. And he's he's great. He's doing wonderful. And I'm so proud of him because he did that. You know, he was he's 27 years old. And he was man enough to say, look, I'm not going, I'm I'm not handling this well. I need to talk to somebody.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah. that's really, really important because I'm not, the things that we avoid actually don't go anywhere. They still <laughs> are there.
0: <laughs> it's not like a cut. When you get cut, it heals and it closes up, right? Yeah. But when you have trauma, that trauma is open until you deal with the deal with what it was or, or, um, I guess like that you face it, you have to face face to face, like say I went through this or, you know, um, it's taken me a while. I've gone through some traumas in my life too. And it's been steps, little, little steps, you know, every time just, you know, to get through the, okay, I, I got through this trauma. All right. What else I have to release? You know? Yes. So, But, yeah. um, but so anyway, we can get your book, everything's on Amazon or on your website.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, Amazon and there's also a lot of information on my website. I have a newsletter where um I send out um any updates. Yeah.
0: So they can go to your website and um I'll write it down later. I have it, I think I have it here. Um, but anyway, I'll put it on the on the link here when I put the podcast up. Yeah. And that way they can go to your website, they can sign up for your newsletter and get information from you and and learn about the, the workbook.
1: Yes, yeah. Sure.
0: <laughs> great, great, great. Um, is there anything else you want to add? I don't know. I think we covered a lot of different things. Yeah, it was um, a great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like I like I said, I I do it naturally. It's it's easier. I, I I kind of like let my spirit go flow with it and see what comes out because it's all interesting. I love meeting different people and and their experiences and how they're helping others that's i just want to connect the dots and connect people like you and me and all those all there out there that are helping others to to live a better life
1: yes and thank you for what you're doing because these conversations are important we have to talk about these things even if they're uncomfortable yes it's the only way change happens by talking about things yes Definitely,
0: definitely. I appreciate you and thank you, and have a a great weekend. (laughs) Thank you so much. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Rebooted the Podcast to learn about each episode's guests and topics. This is your host, Alita Hernandez. See you next Tuesday.